cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com slash cloud. Podiskew Podcast is a founding member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hey there, we're BFYTW Podcast. I'm Pantsless Aaron, I'm the host, and we are three silly people playing very silly games for fakey points that don't count for anything. Our permanent team captains are a veteran and a podcaster and a veteran podcaster, it's Stevie. Hey guys, it's Midnight Smoke here. I love being funny, goofy, and I'm here for your entertainment. And his permanent opponent, my oldest friend and a gamer and a storyteller, it's Jorge. Hey guys, Jorge here, uh, HH underscore Empire, and I am the logical voice to this maelstrom of chaos. Well, if you like silly people playing silly games, then you want to come hang out with us at BFYTW Podcast every week. That's BFYTWPodcast.com. Podeskew Podcast. I am TJ, and with me, as always, is my hetero life mate, Rico. What's up, man? Bueller. Bueller. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Bueller, so funny. motherfuckers. I, um, y- you know, it's funny. I watched an extra for that film when I was getting ready for this, and uh-huh. there's a lengthy interview with Ben, um, and and you fell right to sleep, didn't you? No, I no. Listen, I love Ben Stein. I used to watch his his game show. Did you ever see that with him and Kimmel? When Ben Stein's money or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he still maintains to this day it really was his money, but who knows? Um, I I think I think it technically might have been because I think he was like the exec producer on it. So I guess in some way it was his money. Yeah. Anyway, but that's not the point. Um, Anybody who steals Ben Stein's money is a okay with me. I've heard, he's kind of like ultra conservative, and it was like a big defender of Trump and shit. Oh, well, see, I didn't know he was a defender. I know he's an ultra conservative, and he he definitely has some interesting. Um, perspectives because i don't have a problem i mean look i don't want to get a whole political thing again but i mean i i don't have a problem with conservatives it just depends on your you know the extremity of it i guess you know so i I don't have a problem with conservatism but i have a problem with someone who defends trump no i i i i 100 agree with you there no no argument with that but i'm just saying in general anyway um but in the in the extra regardless of all that in the thing that i was watching because this was film the thing i was watching was filmed 15 years ago 16 years ago so it was long pre-trump you know right um he was saying that he figures on his tombstone there'll be two things it'll be bueller 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 and he loved dogs that's that's what he wants on his tombstone so i i i heard that he was actually an economics professor and Hughes had him just deliver like a whole fucking lesson for that scene. He wasn't a professor and the whole scene's improvised. Okay, so it was improvised, but 
he was a teacher for I, I, he 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 when he's talking about that scene does not say that he had taught economics ever. Okay, well, according to the Wikipedia and IMDb, it, it was it, something akin to that that he had, well, like it was improvised where he just was giving a real lesson. Well, yes, no, that that's true, but it wasn't because he was a teacher. He was apparently said. Now, this is coming from Ben's mouth, so I'm kind of going on that bait as opposed to Wiki or, okay. or IMDb. But he said that that uh, John Hughes came to him and said, um, "I because originally he was only supposed to do the Bueller roll call, and that was it. That wasn't supposed to be the second sequence where he's actually teaching the class." And apparently that sequence, cra- the, the, the roll call cracked people up on the set so badly, they were like, oh, we have to do a little more. So right. they did more, and then he, uh, but Hughes didn't want to write anything out, so he was like, oh, and it was also written so that Christy Swanson could do her piece, because she was supposed to be the girl on the phone. When uh-huh. when the, the guys are talking to him, say, you want to talk here, and he says, pass it off. It was yeah. supposed to be Christy Swanson, and something happened where her schedule and that particular scene shooting didn't line up or whatever, so Hughes gave it to the other girl, and but he was a huge fan of Christy Swanson, so he wanted to give her lines, and so he wrote the part that she says in the roll call. Anyway, the, the point of where I was going was that apparently he, um, John, John said to him, don't. I'm not writing you piece for this. Just stand up there and talk about something you know, like something right. you're passionate about. And apparently, you know, Reagan economics and the Great Depression was something that he knew a lot about. And so mm-hmm. that whole part was completely improved. So, um, yeah. So, hey, hey, everybody, we're talking John Hughes today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's also like when you guys listen to this, it'll be his birthday. I mean, he's he's dead and all that. And I mean, you know, his birthday but, would have like, been four it, days or three days after you hear this, if you hear it when it released. So three right. days after our release on this is probably the better way to put it. But yeah, now it, this episode, you know, when we deep dive a director or a franchise, you know, it's always usually a tribute. But like, there were a lot of John Hughes films that I have never seen. Like usually, like the big main ones, and. You know, I, I, um, I don't like them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, you know, I sort of have like Jay, I sort of like identify with Jay's point of view about John Hughes and, and dogma. Like, where it's just like, you know, that fucking guy, that fucking guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jay, Jay's perspective isn't off, but it, it, it was interesting. Uh, no, I, I'm a fan. I, I am a fan. I'm a fan. I'm not a fan of everything he's ever made. Um, but I'm a fan of a lot of the stuff he's made. I know Deb's a fan of a bunch of his stuff too, and some of the ones that I'm not a fan of. Like she loves. Like I can tell you right now, one of his that she loves it, and nobody. I, I don't think anyone's seen or knows that it's used is Dutch. She loves Dutch. I don't know Dutch. Dutch is a is a story about it's it's the only movie Ed O'Neill did while he was shooting Married with Television or Married with Television. Okay. Christ, Married sorry with guys, television. Married with <laughs> Married with with Children, um, which you can find on television, but you can also listen to Married with Television. They probably talked about it. Odd Pods Media Network. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, you know, when so it's it's him and a kid, and they're like traveling cross country or something. I don't know. I've never actually watched it because it looks stupid to me, but Deb. Deb fucking loves it. Um, 
you know. And then, and then obviously you have your usuals, you know. I know you like Mr. Mom, right? I thought you were a fan of Mr. Mom. I, I haven't seen Mr. Mom in a very long time, but I remembered I enjoyed it when I was a kid. I don't feel like it holds up. I've seen it more recently, and that's one of that's. There's a lot of his I feel like do hold up. I know you don't agree, but there are some to me that hold up, like, you know. Um, but Mr. Mom's not one of them. And quite frankly, I, I just you- yeah, good. I'm of the opinion that I, I'm a, uh, look, I acknowledge that I think I missed the Hughes bandwagon. And I think I'm definitely looking at this in 2021 eyes because I will, I will state this very plainly. Steph and I were actually like offended by a lot of his movies and like the so, so classics, like he uses the word faggot and I don't even feel comfortable saying that. Right, he but, uses that a lot. Okay, but wait a minute. So, yes, he does, and I, I don't disagree with you there. But, you know, I had a feeling that was going to be a problem for you, right? And I'm not saying that it's an okay thing to be saying, right? But we've talked, we've had conversations in general about context and right. setting and when things were made. I mean, like the baby, it's cold outside. We had a huge discussion about that. Yep. We had discussions about the N-word and where it's used and when it's used and when it's made. Like, like you know, we, we both think Quentin's overdone it, but, you know, you know. and and I, and I definitely acknowledge that it was, you know, the usage of the word was more accepted in the 80s than it is now yeah i think if john was i think if john hughes was making the same films now he wouldn't use that word he'd use something else like i you know i I don't the fact that the fact that he has used that word in 90 percent of his films uh look it's not just it's not just that i mean let's let's get to the real fucking like well what's his fucking name long duck Dong? Yeah, that one. I mean, look, there there are some issues in there. I'm not gonna lie. Like that's one of them. I agree with you. You know what I mean? Like there there's some stuff. But you also have to think about um again context in terms of time. I mean, like you you know we were talking on the last get vocal like about we about temple and yes you know the the sequel you know the whole the whole concept of short round is pretty bad. Yeah. But at the time, you know what I mean. So. I mean, they, apparently the Asian community is still furious about that. And they and should be. Actually, I don't. Yeah. I mean. But I mean, they also admonish the fucking actor who played that role. And for those who don't know what we're talking about in 16 Candles, which also like Stephanie fucking flat out was like sick to her stomach watching the, the whole movie. Like she was like, I can't. This is really hard to watch. And it's not just the fucking ridiculous, awful Asian stereotype where they have a fucking gong going on every single time he shows up. There's also there's like like the dream boy, the one that like, you know, she that fucking Molly Ringwald goes with spoiler at the end of the day, at the end of the film. He flat out says, oh, like about his current girlfriend who's passed out. She's like, oh, she's gone. I could violate her in, in, in you know, 10 ways from Sunday or so. But he I mean, he. Yes, you have to acknowledge the timing and and, and phrasing era. like slang. To to me, to when he said it, I again I I see how she sees it that way. But you know what? Like that used to be slang for getting laid. It wasn't meant like in the aggressive, like violent term that it 
Yeah, but in, 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 that's not getting laid. That's no, but that's, that's that was, it's still a term for yeah. No, what he was gonna do was not getting laid. I agree, but I'm telling you right. that the term I've I've well, heard I've heard I had friends who had sex with perfectly conscious consenting yeah. females that use that term to des- to describe the the incident. You know, or the, not the incident, but the the situation. I'm not just acknowledging that. I'm I'm saying that. As an outsider, for someone who's not a huge aficionado or or someone who didn't grow up in the 80s and, and all that, I, I might be looking at this in overly fucking woke liberal 2021 eyes and shit. But like it, it almost looks to me like Hughes was speak was he, he didn't just speak for a generation. He kind of created a generation because there's this ideology that are people that are. From the 80s, and I'm not including you with this, because I, I, you don't agree with the bad shit that I'm right. referring to. Right. But there is like this open kind of like demographic that kind of views that shit as classics and still thinks it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely look at them and see context and, and definitely see, you know, like that there's, there's, you know, in, in a 2020, 2021 world. And I put it that way just cause we're still so early in 2021, you know, um, the, yes, some, some of this stuff does not fly well, you know what I mean? And, and I, I don't think it ages well. Some, some sure. of it doesn't, some of it does. Like I, to me, Ferris Bueller still holds up. I think Ferris Bueller still holds up. I think, I think breakfast club still holds up. Um, Breakfast you Club know. is one of his better ones, um, for me. Yeah, he he definitely he definitely covers real issues, and I I thoroughly enjoy the scenes where they're all sitting, you know, in a ring and they're talking about why they're there, and and I actually all those that that whole segment was improvised. They all ad libbed their own stories of why they were there. Yeah, if I if I read correctly, they were they were given basically like a framework and then the words were improvised. Like right. they were just told this is kind of what's going on in your home life and then you you just do you to like, you know, make right. it play through. Um yeah, no, I, I listen man, I, I, I get it. Like I some of them uh, well, let let me do this real quick, cause and and I'm not talking about every film he's ever made, cause like I've never seen any of the the well, and some of them he only wrote for, like like European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, um, you know. I've uh, seen I've seen Christmas Vacation. I've not seen European Vacation. I've never seen any of them, and they don't appeal to me. I'm not a big, but I'm not a big Chevy Chase fan, so I think that's probably it. You know, um, sure. And then uh, I've never seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but that's just because I've never, I've just never seen it. I don't, I'm not like, I'm never going to watch it. It's just not been on my radar or whatever. Um, you know, uh, you know, and the Beethoven franchise, you know, those I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah the, the the later works, the only real later work that he's done that I really, um, obviously a fan of is the first two Home Alones. Which we've talked about, and, you know, before. So and I, I actually extend it to the third one. I, I no, I he wrote. No, he did, but I've I've never seen it, so I can't speak to whether right. I like it or not. Um, I always, but I always actually, when I was little, I actually liked Home Alone three over Home Alone one and two. When I was younger, I actually confused Home Alone one with two. Like I couldn't tell the difference when I was really young. I could see that. I could see that. Um. So, but, but my point though is, I'm gonna take his like most 
popularly known ones. So the ones with the teenagers primarily, and I'm and and rank them out in in the order in which I like them, not the sure. the whether good or bad. So for me, it it it's Enrico. I know you're gonna shit on this because you kind of spilled the guts a little bit on the you know sure. pre-show, but um, from best to worst for me, uh, it's Weird Science, um, Ferris Bueller. Probably Breakfast Club, but I could flip that with Pretty in Pink pretty easily, and then Sixteen Candles. So, like Sixteen Candles is definitely the the bottom of the pile of that grouping for me, without question. And then you could really kind of toss Uncle Buck in that that group a little bit because of the 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 oldest girl in that, but it's it's did you, different. Did you? I, did, I, I I wasn't. I didn't hear it, but did you include Ferris in your list of teams? Yeah, Ferris was two. Okay. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. If you were going to do it, that's fine. And then we'll talk because I have some thoughts on all that that I wanted to kind of say. But, well, Ferris hits me really interestingly because I loved Ferris Bueller when I was like 10 and younger. Like, I watched it a decent chunk. Sure. It's a great movie. And, well,. <laughs> See, well, this is what I, this is what I this is what I realized. When I was ten, I wanted to be Ferris Bueller. When I was when I grew up and rewatched it at twenty nine, I realized I became Cameron. But see, that's the thing. And again, so I watched a lot of the extras on Ferris for this, not for any reason except they were just there, and it would seemed intriguing. And like, it it's interesting because even Matthew Broderick. Alan Ruck and Hughes independently because they were all interviewed. It wasn't like they were in a room together, right? All kind of said the same thing. Cameron, to a lesser extent, is really the star of the film. Like, yes, it's called Ferris Bueller's Day Off and whatever, but the story is really more about Cameron than it is about Ferris, you know? Yeah. Have you heard of a theory that the whole thing is in Cameron's mind that he's still in bed and he makes that Ferris doesn't exist and he's made up the whole fucking day. No, but that's an interesting, an interesting thing to, to put. I don't, I don't, I don't think that it is what, what's happening, but it's an, it's a nice way to, to try to look at it. I mean, all right. So in terms of me ranking his teen comedies, sure. Uh, I would go, I I actually would go Breakfast Club because even though Judd Nelson is is a complete fucking asshat throughout the film, I mean, I mean, in the sense that he's a real prick to everyone. But he's that um, yeah, that's the character. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he that's that's the point. Um, they do touch on real issues, which yes. I thoroughly enjoyed. They definitely did. Um, I also because I've been binging West Wing, I thought it was. I went from West Wing to Emilio Estevez, <laughs> which was pretty fucking funny. Um, so, so I would go Breakfast Club. I would go, uh, I would go Pretty in Pink, and that's. I still have a lot of issues with that film, but John Cryer fucking saved that film, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, because I, I totally am duck. I've, I've been ducky more times than I, I can. I, yeah. I was watching that. And I was like, I can't imagine CJ has not watched this film and identified with Ducky. Oh, without a, a thousand percent. 
thousand percent. Right. I've been. I, I've not. Not only do I identify with him, I've been him. I want to see yeah. you fucking do his dance and lip sync. Like I want you to fucking upload a video. <laughs> I would of you probably fall breaking. over trying to do that shit. He falls over. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, look. You, <laughs> you know what? One of the best uh, jokes about Charlie Sheen is. What's that? How much blow does Charlie Sheen do? Mm. Enough to kill two and a half men. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I can't, I can't um, argue it. Yeah, that's. And so, uh, so I said breakfast. Um, uh, pretty in pink. I would actually go weird science just because of the weirdness. I mean, it's definitely the title is fucking misleading. It's more weird than there is science. Oh yeah, um, I, I think it's just a a fun title. Like I don't think it's actually meant to be. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, 16 candles. I, I, I mean, if I, if we were including uncle buck, I would put uncle buck above everything. Oh, I forgot Ferris Bueller. Fuck. All right. Let me do this again. <laughs> 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 okay. Uncle buck breakfast club, Ferris Bueller, pretty in pink, weird science, 16 candles. That's how I would rank his teen fucking movies. But I'm of the opinion that if John Candy is in a Hughes film, whether he wrote it or directed it, it's infinitely better. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is so goddamn funny. When John Hughes is doing a teen comedy, I don't like it. When he does a comedy, I fucking like it, dude. Then you and might like actually... Mr. Mom again, because it's not a teen comedy. There's kids in the right. film, but it's not a teen comedy. You know, it's, it's right. you know. Um... And Home Alone is a fucking classic. Whether you like Macaulay Culkin or not, yeah, you could just watch Joe Pesci and, and uh, Daniel, Daniel Stern. Stern. Fucking. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, he, John Hughes, created a um, a Christmas classic. He also wrote Mrs. Doubtfire. So if I'm really being honest, my favorite fucking movie oh. of John Hughes. Is I'm not Mrs. even Doubtfire. seeing that. I'm not even seeing that on his credits. I believe you, but I'm not seeing it on his credits. I was under the impression he wrote it. I know Chris Columbus directed it but i was in the impression he hughes wrote when did it come out 93 roughly 93 yeah i'm not i'm not seeing it on his credits maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong let me let me just check imdb because i was on his wiki let me check there um anyway while while we're talking regardless mrs doubtfire is is an amazing film no it's a great Um, film but no uh, from what i can tell he had nothing to do with it um because it's not on his IMDb either. Not as a writer, anyway. Maybe he produced it, but he's not as a writer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double-check just Mrs. Doubtfire directly, see who was on the cast. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice try, though. I like... yeah. Because, <laughs> see, that's the thing, is John Hughes, I have to acknowledge, he, he paved the way for a ton of films. Like, if you didn't know any better... You would almost assume The Goonies was written by John Hughes in a roundabout way. It's, it's got a Hughesian vibe, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, I was wrong. He had nothing to do with fucking writing, <laughs> writing, uh, producing, directing. No, he just had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. I was wrong. I can That's all right. That. It happens. It happens. Man, I was convinced. I could have sworn I saw his fucking name on it, but but that's the other thing is like if you. You take Chris Columbus, you fucking shake him up a little bit, you get John Hughes. <laughs> well, I think that I think that pl- applies to a lot of people, right? Like, you know, 
you could really make the argument, and and I say this because he even gets a thanks in one of these films. But like, you sprinkle a little bit of weed into John Hughes, shake him up, and you get Kevin Smith. I mean, I I kind he, of see he gets that, a special thanks of... on Mallrats. Oh, I I I acknowledge that Kevin is a big fan of John Hughes. I think he's very inspired by it as well. But I I I don't I don't know. I I think I mean I look. think. I acknowledge that that was the entertainment in the '80s, and Kevin I mean, was part of that. And and let's look at a couple of things, right? Because I was when I was watching through Sixteen Candles to re to rewatch it for this, because it's been a while since I it's been a while since I've seen all of these, even the ones that I like the most. It's been a while, and, and so I went through them all again. And like Sixteen Candles is the rich version of Dazed and Confused. It's yeah. What it is? Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Dazed and Confused in an upper class, you know. Uh, suburb is really I, I what think, it is. Just, I think it's just whiny and confused. I mean, <laughs> well, but so is Daisy and confused. I mean, think about yeah. the character. Or think about. Uh, listen, let's do a quick parallel. They're not all. I'm not lining them all up, but let's go side by side for a minute. Like, especially more than anybody. Um, how well do you remember Daisy and confused? The characters. Very little. Okay, so Mitch Kramer, the main freshman kid, that gets his ass kicked. Right. Uh huh. Line him up with Anthony Mike Anthony Michael Hall's character, and it's fucking side by side. It is it is pretty damn close. Yeah, I all just that. just I mean, you know again rich rich versus you know um, I guess middle middle class because I don't think they're that poor down in Texas either where they're at. But comparatively speaking, it's it's you know. different. Yeah, it's yeah. different than it is in fucking Illinois. Yeah, in, um, in Shermer, you know, fucking Shermer, Illinois. Yeah. Um, I and I also I I would tell you and see like I I didn't know until after I did my research after this, but I had this thought. Um, but I didn't know he'd written for National Lampoon. Honestly, I didn't know. I I did know that. Um, and I knew that he was. He started out, like that's where Vacation comes from. Was like an article called Vacation Fifty Eight or Fifty Nine. And I would say. Quite honestly, that Van Wilder is if Ferris Bueller went to college. I know it's based on Burke Kreischer. I, I'm aware of that, but, but right. look at the character. Like it's 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 that, very. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good poll. I can I can acknowledge that. I didn't Van, even think of that. Yeah, Van Van Wilder is basically Ferris in college. I mean, which in retrospect means that Ferris is a is an homage to Animal House in a roundabout way. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm saying. And that goes back to what I was talking about with these contexts and then and, and things like, you know, like, you know, I, you look at, there's, there's, um, because uh, I was thinking about Pretty in Pink and there's, there's, um, there's a movie like that that I was thinking of. And, oh, um, like 16 Candles, I'm jumping around and I apologize, but like, um, Pretty in Pink is kind of similar to Never Been Kissed. You know, the, the, I've, never the, seen, I've never seen, never been kissed. No, the 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 it's overall concept. Well, yeah, yeah no, overall concepts are very different, but the the core principle of this girl that nobody ever liked, she was not popular, and sure. you know, ultimately ends up with the guy. You know what I mean? That's kind of what happens in Never Been Kissed. Now it's very different because it's a it's a woman who pretends to be a teenager and goes back to high school, and there's all there's a whole different you know. The, the, that's the premise of every teen comedy, though. But that's the thing. So why? Because there's other of those that I know you like more 
so what what's that's where I get confused about why you don't like some of these. Like that's you know, if if it's stuff like the language and whatever, then I, I get it, Rico, but that's also a context thing. You know, you have to think about you know I just think that they never there are certain characters like that don't get their fucking comeuppance for using they they get away with everything. Most of the time when I see a movie like okay, here's a teen sex comedy, American Pie, right? Sure. And and we have seen all of them, and we are definitely fans of the franchise. To you know, we some we like some more than others. Yeah, um, uh, wedding could kind of go. <laughs> but, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I I think reunion can fuck off. I think Bandcamp is better than both of them. I never saw any I, of the like spinoffs, so I can't. Yeah. Bandcamp's a decent spinoff. Uh, yeah. but I my, look. My point is, for the most part, every single character learns a lesson. They learn something. It may take another film, but they learn something. Whereas no one fucking learns anything in the John Hughes films apart from in The Breakfast Club, where they all learn something about each other. I, and I don't give a fuck how John Hughes tries to push it. At no point would Molly Ringwald's character and Judd Nelson's character ever fucking hook up. That didn't. That's not real. That would never happen. And especially not over an eight-hour period. And And of all the fucking things... I find it hard to believe that she would be making out with him at the end of the movie in front of her fucking mom or dad who's picking her the fuck up. Because imagine that awkward conversation be like, hey, how was the tension? Also, why are you making out with that ruffian who, like, we've heard so much about? Fuck up, like, be beaten by his dad. He's, you know, he, he blah, blah, blah. Okay, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but then I just have to ask the question. Do you have a problem with uh, Emilio Estevez's character hooking up with Ali Sheely's character? That seemed a little bit more natural. That actually, first off, Anthony Michael Hall, like... <laughs> he gets the that, short end of the stick in every one of the movies except Weird Science. And even then, he pretty much well, does. Well, actually, 16 Candles. He fucking... But... He's, they say, but it's... You don't... I, I, yeah. I don't think they fucked, but they sure as shit were going to later. What you didn't see in the fucking sequel, 32 Candles, that doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, he's, 17 you know, they're candles. fucking married, they got a whole bunch of kids, and they're miserable. That's what we don't see. Um, uh, I'm making a really bad joke, but I, I envision those two get together, and that's how you get Seventh Heaven, the TV show. That, yeah, anyway, sorry. That's... Oh, that's too close. That's too, that's too soon, <laughs> too man. Too soon? Too soon? That's All too right. soon with the fucking dad. And yeah. Dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, I love when I get, I very rarely get you speechless. <laughs> you, yeah, it takes, a, it takes a lot to make me uncomfortable and you've succeeded. Um, uh, I, I do my best. Um, um, but so your question was uh, Emilio and uh, what's and Ali Chidi, yeah, yeah. I liked her. I also think fucking Molly Ringwald fucked her up with her makeup. I, I think she looked better as a fucking weird goth and all pretty and pinkish. I mean, I I I, I agree, but I get what they were going for. Um, you know, just the you know, I, I get that too. Um, I I would have respected Emilio's character more if he said, "You look better." You know, I, I liked you before you fucking took all that black shit off. Yeah, but teenagers are, you know... Shallow. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's be real. And honestly, I, I disagree with you about um, Molly and Judd Nelson. I think I think it could happen. I think, I, think it, I think it does happen. I don't think it happens 
all the time. It, I think it I and I in the sense that she goes like the the stereotype of women like you know a bad boy. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think I also think they you know you know you talked about how you liked how it gets kind of deep on that one and people learn stuff right. And I would argue that there's there's learning and weird weird science as well, but we'll get there. Um, but you know. It, Sticking with the Breakfast Club right now, I I think that while it's never flat out said, I think they I think they realize that they're closer in to each other than they realize in in who they are. Like she might be up in the ritzy upper class and have all the money and stuff, but the the core base problems that they have at home are very similar. Maybe she's not being abused, but she's being neglected for sure. You know, and despite their stereotypical cliques and appearances, they do have more in common, which I do appreciate. And I think, and I think those two have more in common than, than like the group as a whole. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not. They all find that they have a little bit of thing in common, and I won't disagree with that. But I also, I think, I think those two have more in common than people than even is really uh, said in 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 the story and in the dialogue. Um, I would argue Emilio and, and Judd because they both have overbearing fathers who who do things very differently, but they both have overbearing fathers. No, that's Oops. that's very true too. Um, th- I'd, th- see, I'd be more interested if they fucking hooked up. <laughs> well, yeah, Just I to mean, really fuck with the fucking you know. Well, that gets back to every movie who like every character who's trying to utter fag would be like, well, no, you can't say that because clearly they fucking hooked up. Yeah, and that's wrong. Don't um, say that. I, I actually had a huge problem with Ali Sheedy's character. I think she did a great job portraying it, so I have no problem with, with the job that she did acting. I want to stress that, because I like Ali Sheedy quite a bit. I was actually watching Short Circuit last week, and she's she's in that one. So um, I think she's a fine enough actor uh, actress, but um, her her character... I don't think you ever really get to the crux of her problem, except for the fact that she's just alone. Bored and alone, right. But like... Like the the lying about being a nymphomaniac and then the the klepto stuff and, and you know and who's to know if because she says like oh I had nothing to do well because she's a fucking klepto and a fucking liar you can't trust anything that she says right exactly exactly and so that's the thing like that's why I had a problem with like everyone ta- I've heard people talk about how like how great it is to see that character like make that transformation I'm like no not. Not really. She doesn't really make it. She makes a physical transformation for sure, but she doesn't make I a. Think, I think she's her sole purpose is to push the other characters along. She is the neutral character because you can't trust anything, and she instigates shit in a non-villainous way. She's just gonna, there. Yeah, I would argue that Judd Nielsen's character pushes it more than she does, but yeah. In an antagonistic way sure. without being an antagonist. Right, but he's another antagonist. That they, oh yeah, well, okay, so without being okay, sorry, because I was going to say that's another one of those ones like when we talk about like Thanos and stuff where you actually kind of, I mean, you well, find yourself <laughs> feeling for the, well no, I, it's the only example I could that came to mind off the top of my head but I mean, there's probably okay. better ones and I'm I'm willing to admit that, but you find yourself feeling for him by the end, you know, by the end of that film yeah. You find yourself really kind of feeling for Judd Nelson, where at the beginning you're like, dick. <laughs> you know, like, right. whereas I don't feel myself finding for as many, like, the, you know, Emilio's character, like, I'm kind of indifferent 
in the beginning and and by the end. And same with Anthony Michael Hall's character. As much as I probably should identify with his character, I don't connect with him as much for some reason. You know, I I sure. connect with him more with his character more in Sixteen Candles and in Weird Science than I do with his character in in Breakfast Club. But him specifically, so, you know. So when you, do, when you get drunk, do you act like a stereotypical awful black guy? <laughs> no, no. But I I <laughs> I I'm sure I've done the thing where I've acted like the people I'm surrounded by. So considering they were yeah. who they were surrounded by, that's why he started acting that way. I mean, like except he, he except he did again when they were all smoking pot. He was just like. She can't handle her weed. Like he was oh. improvising, he was uh, imitating uh, Richard Pryor. Well, right. That, that I was mean, a Pryor drug. Okay. Well, so there you go. But, but I'm white chicks can't handle their weed. But I mean, think about. I mean, like I think about when the party's over and he's found under the coffee table. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been at a party where I've had to sleep under the coffee table. You, yeah. You've told yeah. us that. You've, you you've told us that story on here. You know, so I that's happened. But, I mean, I've also been the guy standing in the kitchen after, like, most of the people have fallen and kind of talking to the one person, like, you know, go get your girl. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, I've been that guy, too. So I that's why I think I relate with that one a little more. Like, I, I just feel like he's very whiny in Breakfast Club, comparatively speaking, you know? Yeah, he's got a little bit more confidence without being confident. Does that make sense? Like in, he's, he's in what in sixteen candles? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He doesn't like, have any confidence. He's great but he, at advice, and he's also for listening to his own. Right, and he's also great at exuding confidence that he doesn't have. Right, that's right. what that character does in that film. Like he he doesn't have any confidence. He knows he's you know he also has this crew of people like. I, I, it, it cracks me up that Cusack shows up in that one and you never see his ass again, like ever. I, I, um, see, here's the thing about, about Hughes is I, he can fucking hold a grudge longer I've heard, than anyone. I've heard, yeah. There, I mean, he, there's a reason why we didn't see Molly and, and Anthony Michael Hall, uh, you know, in later films because they both said, they both turned down roles that he specifically wrote for them. And then he never talked to them again. And, and it, yeah, I also and I've also heard. And I don't know if this is this is rumor, so I I don't want to make. But I heard he had a very weird. He had like a very Quentin Quentin Uma Thurman type of attraction to Molly. I don't know. If I that's don't know if true. It got to that, I don't know if it got to that point, but I've heard from numerous I, because I've read a lot of people. Yeah. talk about him. And they said that he wanted to be a teenager again, and not in a creepy Michael Jackson kind of way. But no, like, just, just wants, yeah, yeah. Listen, but like he he spent I get more it. time with the teenagers than they did with themselves. Yeah, with no, he, or with each other. And and then like I watched an interview with Jennifer Grey, mm-hmm. and she has a weird thing for Hughes, like a really it. It it creeped that creeped me out more than the stuff you're talking about in the actual films, like watching this interview and how much she was like fawning over, over yeah, John. Yeah, where the fuck did she appear in a in a later film? Uh, I don't. One, yeah, right. I, I I don't. I'd have to look. I, I I feel like she was in another one, but it was like a secondary character. It wasn't. Um, sure. it wasn't like like she is in Ferris. Um, you know, I I think bringing up Cusack was interesting because. At no, you know, Cusack doesn't seem like he would be a lackey ever. 
Well, well, it's his first film. I checked. It's his, literally his first project was, was that film. So the thing with that is that we know Cusack now. You know what I mean? Like, so that's that's a thing. It, I, I've got to give credit to his sister. Joan Cusack was one of the funniest fucking characters in 16 Candles. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. She, uh, he, but real quick, going back to John for a second, he actually was the second choice for Ferris mm-hmm. if Broderick had not taken the role. So, yeah. and, and look, I, I like Matthew Redrick in that role. I'm, I'm a big fan of that character. I'm a big fan. You know, like I know that, I know the characters, it has some issues, but in terms of the, the way the characters portrayed and whatever, I thought, I thought he did a great job. So I, I don't have any problem with Matthew Redrick, but I would like to see the John Cusack version of Ferris. Cause I feel like it would have been very different, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, Steph and I were watch. We were we were watching uh, Breakfast Club last night. Steph was like, "Why the fuck is Emilio whining all the time?" And I said, "Give him a break. He's all bummed out because his dad's president." <laughs> I um, I I feel like, like I, I I to answer her question. I I you know, it wasn't a legitimate question. She oh, was okay. just kind of like, "Everyone's bitching. Everyone's whining." And I was like, "Yeah, apparently it's what they did in the '80s." No, that's Although what teenagers everyone, do. That's, that's what teenagers do, but I just... Go watch something like that... Drive Me Crazy. They they do the same thing. It's the same shit. And, and Days of Confused, same shit. Do you think that if they... If John Hughes was still alive making movies to this day and making specifically teen comedies, that he would have branched out and opened his fucking... Uh, his, his repertoire to fucking maybe people that are not just white and living in Chicago? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think they'd still be in Chicago. I mean, I, I think he, you know, like, name a Kevin movie that's not Jersey-based in some capacity, really. I mean... Zach and, Zach and Mary. Okay, the only one. Uh, Red State. Red State actually takes place in, I believe it's New Jersey still, isn't it? It's just not... It's, no, it's middle... Red State? No, it's middle America. Is it middle... Okay. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, his comedies. Let's 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 go back to that. His okay. comedies. Okay. All right. His comedies. The only one that Zach, comes out of Zach my, and Mary. what? Zach and Mary. Zach and Mary, and and you could argue yoga hosers. Well, you could also argue Janice on Both Strike Back takes place mostly out of Jersey. Takes start yes, but starts still based yeah. out of Jersey, and then trans. You know, say, you know what I mean. So you get the point I'm saying. Like you know. Um, Dogma ends in New Jersey, but is the majority is actually in Illinois. It's actually on the road in between, but yeah. So it's, yeah, okay. So it's a Jersey film without being really primarily set. But I think you the get the point. I think you get the point that I'm going for here. Is that like yeah, yeah. filmmakers find that area they like to, you know, uh, you know, when, when you're doing niche stuff. Because that's the other thing too, right? Like Spielberg goes all over the place, but he doesn't have like a niche audience, right? Like. Um, I mean, I guess maybe with indie, but you know what I'm saying, like, right? You know, and even then, indie is always in New York at some point at the college, always. It's not not New York. Where is it? Boston. Is it Boston? Okay, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue that. But the the point is that it's it's northeast, east coast, and it's and whether it's Boston, New York, he always ends up there at some point. Usually towards the beginning of the film, but at some point he's there. Uh, not, you know. not Temple. 
Not in Temple. That's the only time where he's not the cause. You're right. Correct. But three three of the four films, despite what you you're think right. of them, you're he's right. he's you're there. Right. You're right. So you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, see, like I said, I think I think I really enjoyed Uncle Buck thoroughly, but also Uncle Buck comes with like baggage. You know what I mean? A like, lot of it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of baggage, but it, see, what I wanted to see more of Uncle Buck is him being a fun uncle. As opposed to, like, they really don't focus on him as the fun uncle. It's more of just him being overly protective and 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 in a funny way of his nieces and nephew. I wanted to see, like, the best, for me, one of the best parts of that whole fucking movie is the interaction with him and Macaulay, where they do the fast questionnaire. Like, yeah, you know, that's a good spot. Uh, the, that's the... a great spot. I wanted to see more of that. The pancake spot's pretty good. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah. that's a fun uncle thing for him to do. Make giant fucking pancakes with a goddamn snow shovel. I mean, um, he, he was, he was funny in other parts. Like I, I remember, I remember uh, it's sort of very beginning of the film where he knocks the plate over or he drops the plate and it doesn't break. Yeah. And he goes, Oh no, unbreakable. And then it like shatters. Right. You know, and um, I, I think it's him burning the the assistant principal was absolutely hysterical. Uh, well, because can't. But the one thing I noticed is there's one thing. I, now I'm not going off a lot of for me a lot of of uh, material to work with, right? But like his delivery is very very similar in a lot of his films. The stuff I've seen him in. You know, like just just the way he his um, cadence I, to the way he speaks, things like that. I'm not talking about he's playing the same character over and over again, but his his delivery, especially Uncle Buck and um the guy from Home Alone whose name escaped, but the the the, the Poker King, yeah, or whatever, the, poker the Poker King. Player, I yeah. can't remember his name, but the Poker King, yeah. That those characters, except for the fact that the Poker King's got his life to get a little better, pretty similar. I mean. I I really think you should check out Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because that is. I do want to see it. Like it's not one again. It's not that thing where it's like, oh, I don't want to watch. No, no, no. I've just never, you know. And I I I hear it's the only Thanksgiving movie there is. So I'm kind of waiting, thinking I might wait till then to watch it. But that's just me, you know. It's not the. I mean, obviously, it's not the only Thanksgiving movie, but it's definitely. It's probably the best Thanksgiving movie. Well, what else is there besides maybe Adam? Adam's Family Values is the only other one that might, and that's not even because it takes place. Well, because they do the thing, they do the the first Thanksgiving play at the summer camp. That's the only which which doesn't make any bit of goddamn sense. But yeah, yeah. um, Home for the Holidays, I believe, is Thanksgiving. I thought that was Christmas. You could be right. I anyway, I think it's, I think it's Thanksgiving. Um, I did a whole fucking. I mean, I, a fr- someone and I were talking about Thanksgiving movies, and I fucking was like deep diving them, and I found like a decent chunk. Okay, but fair enough. I'm not gonna argue that. That's not. <laughs> but my argument is, playing strings and automobiles is. See, I like those comedies that is like a road trip type of scenario, like due date. They're like know, road like, trip. Like road trip, due date. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Dogma, like, I love those kind of, like, we're trying to get from A to B, and shit goes wrong along yeah, the way. Right. And Plain Streets and, automo- and Automobiles may not be the first one to do that, but it's definitely, in my opinion, one of the best ones. Oh, I, I, yeah, I've never heard nothing but positive. I've never heard, like, negative things about that film. But as a filmmaker for, like, John Hughes, he he, he writes decent dialogue, and he comes up with really interesting and great stories. 
But he is one of the few filmmakers that when I start watching his shit, he can make a half an hour feel like an hour. And it doesn't matter what the movie is. He loves to have too much film. And his, from what I've read, his method is to overfilm. Yes. And then edit, edit down. Yes. Yes. I, I, I saw that multiple times in multiple extras that I watched. Yeah. Breakfast Club was supposed to be a three-hour movie. Like, yeah, but, but, but they're all an hour and a half. Some of them are an hour and a half. I think, like, you may be right. I think most I, of them are an hour and a half. All, all the like ones that we screen... we seem to be focusing are or an hour and a half. They all, yeah. I mean, I'm not but, gonna. But. Despite that, to me, they all feel like two to two and a half hours. See that? That's yeah, my... I get. I guess that just goes back to your level of enjoyment. Because for me, as much as I enjoy them, it's like crap. It's over. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, it wasn't just me. Steph felt the same fucking way. Well, Steph she didn't like, enjoy oh it God. either. She, I mean, what I showed her of Uncle Buck because we didn't watch it together. She thought she thought it was funny, but the same thing. There's a part, and I'm not going to spoil. It because you haven't seen it. There's a part in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where, like, they have contention throughout. It's Steve Martin and John Candy. They have contention throughout the whole fucking trip. John Candy is constantly driving him crazy. Blah blah blah. And they they part ways towards the end. And Steve Martin has a realization more about John Candy. Like he has an epiphany about Candy's personality and and possibly what he's going through. Right. And I swear it takes way longer than he should have. Like it, John, uh, John Hughes tries to like get us to understand what he's trying to deliver way longer. Like as an audience, especially for like a fucking comedy, we've already caught up. We've already figured it out. We don't need the over explanation on why candy is like candy. There, you know, this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it has something to do with my point. Sure. The movie Psycho, the original film Psycho, not the fucking sequels and not the fucking weird, awful remake. You're talking about the original uh, Hitchcock one from... Yeah, the yeah. Hitchcock film. And I look, I could spoil the fuck out of this because, sorry, it's been fucking, what, 60 years? And sorry, um, I'm never going to watch the goddamn thing. So. Okay, so the the whole point is that Norman Bates is taking on the appearance of his mother. His mother is dead. So he he's the one in the fucking wig and the dress who fucking stabs Janet Lee in the shower, right? When you when it's the big reveal at the end, they over-explain it. Like it goes on for like a full minute where it's like a psychiatrist is like, "Oh no, actually, Mrs. Bates doesn't is not alive." Turns out Norman Bates has been Mrs. Bates all along. See, that's the thing about a psyche is sometimes it breaks down and they had developed and we're like, shut the fuck up. We get it. Shut the fuck up. Didn't didn't that happen with Silence too? Silence of the Lambs. Wasn't there something similar to that in, in that film? Not to go off on a tangent, but I mean, I feel like there was like a similar thing towards the end about explaining something. Yeah, about Buffalo, like towards the end about Buffalo Bill. But maybe I'm. I don't think so. I don't anyway, remember. I it's th- been a long time but, since I've seen that in its entirety. So yeah, but well, my point is, is John Hughes's whole fucking way of of explain of doing a film is that portion of Psycho where he just like over explains everything that's supposed to be poignant. Right. Now, again, I I can respect what John Hughes did for other filmmakers, Kevin Smith, you know, modern day teen comedies. You know, I I acknowledge his importance in a genre. 
But God, I don't believe that he was. I think he was a better writer than he was director. Let me put it that way. Okay, and you've said that about other people before that have done both right. or whatever. So yeah, I get that. I can see. I can see how you see that. I, I personally like his directing style, but like I don't, yeah. you know. Um, but I'm always of the give me more, give me, give me, give me, give me more. You know what sure. I mean? So like I and I and I have nothing against fans of of John Hughes. I I I understand, and I and I definitely acknowledge that I was way too late for the party. Like, I really understand I don't think that. it's an... I, I mean, I get where you're coming from, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I don't think it's just an age thing either. Like, I, I think... Because I know people that are born outside the 80s that love those fucking films. You know what I mean? So, it just depends on your perspective. And, like, again, you have to you have to take some of it in context, of course, you know, but you have to... It, it just... You know, like I said, I, I don't love those films because they're 80s films. I could give a shit about the fact that it takes place in the 80s. You make the same film in the, the 90s or the 2000s, you know. Uh, and It would not be the same film in the 90s or the 2000s. No, of course it wouldn't, but let's just say you could. You know what I mean? Let's right. Let's take that. And, and I mean, I know you really can't, but let's try to take that out of it. I think I'd still enjoy the films. Do you know what I mean? Right. And to a degree, some of those same films came out. Um like I, I can think of one off the top of my head. It's got the same vibe to it, but it's not. It's not a huge film. But Loser, the Jason Biggs, his first thing. It's him and Mina Savari. Yeah. That's got a very similar, you know, story. I think, first thing, I think his first thing was American Pie. I thought Loser came out later. I said that. I said Loser was his first thing after American Pie. Oh, okay. I missed the American Pie. Part. His first solo thing after American Pie. Yeah. Sure. You know, and I don't. You can't even say solo because he does it with Mina Savari. But you know. Um, but you know, cause her first thing after that kind of did well and, you know, which was American beauty. Well, American I, beauty, is, American beauty is, is a highly regarded film. It's just now especially creepy if you rewatch it. Oh, well, because of the people involved and whatnot. Sure. But yeah, anyway, and, and, yeah. and just the overall, I mean, but that's, that's a good point. Like, I mean, that movie is considered pretty creepy, not just because of him, but because of what, Okay. Yeah. And and that see that's the thing is that we I think in the same things with John Hughes films, at least my opinion, I think people are willing to accept things that like okay, for the sake of the film, we just accept it. Like American Beauty, we were all kind of okay with Kevin Spacey's character, a middle-aged man having an epiphany and wanting to do things his way and at the same time wanting to fuck a teenager. We were all okay with that. And then, and and we even fucking gave him an Oscar for it. Like it's a good performance, but it's not a great character. No, well, and, just because a character shit doesn't mean the performance can't be good. That's all. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Right. And ultimately, spoilers. He doesn't fuck a teenager. Right. So okay, great. But you watch that movie now. You're like, how the fuck are we? Were we all okay with this? And and ultimately, you can argue that the the way it ends is is his comeuppance so to speak the reason why he it ends how it is is because he he did make that pursuant of trying to fuck a child essentially mm. you know um I, I think sort of the same thing happens with john hughes we give a lot of leeway for the dialogue the the misogyny the the stereotypes the uh, there's a lot of like ooh. There's a lot of but see, but see, here's the thing, Rico, and this is the maybe we're getting into a deeper discussion, and and if you want to go with it, let's go. But I, 
this is my biggest problem with cancel culture as a whole. I, I, I have a real problem with cancel culture, right? I think I think you look at stuff and go, okay, that wasn't good. We shouldn't do that. That shouldn't have happened. And you don't do it again, right? Right. That that's how you learn. That's that's what should be happening. You know, you see right. stuff like that character from Sixteen Candles. And I'm not going to say not because it's only because it's offensive, but I always fuck it up. You know, but you don't. Okay, so you, the Asian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you don't and and that's not the only problem in the film. I get that, but I'm just saying as the the glaring in your face one from that one. You know, sure. You don't do that again. You just don't do it again, right? To be but, fair, he did not do it again, and he didn't. No, that, that, that character I, that, that I know of. No, no, not that I'm aware of either. That character never never lives again. Like you, you just, right. you know. So it you don't you don't do it again. You you, you see okay. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty. Okay, that was probably not a good idea, and and future films shouldn't do it, whether it's Hughes or anybody, right? It, you just, you just don't do it. But what you shouldn't also do is go back and be like, okay, this film shouldn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? I, like, I, I'm I absolutely agree with you. I'm not I I'm not saying cancel sixteen candles. I'm not saying cancel. John I don't Hughes. I don't think you are, but I think. You know, as a as a whole, we become dangerously close at looking at stuff. You know, I think I think there is a generation like there is or there will be a generation that will somehow stumble upon Tropic Thunder, and 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 be overly critical of the fact that Robert Downey Jr. was in blackface. Oh, that's already happened. I've already seen criticism. Oh, really? Of that. Oh, yeah, that's already happened. There, there was okay. a move to cancel that film because of it, and. And RDJ and to think, a lesser extent. So, and I think that's that's taking it too far because, okay, look, look. Technically, he did do blackface, but it was supposed to be the fucking joke within the joke of the film. Right. Like, that's the point. Is that Robert Downey Jr. didn't really do that? Robert Downey Jr. is playing a character who does that. That's and it's more about a. Uh, an example of how fucking actors can be absolutely full of themselves. Right. Now, cancel culture for me is absolutely important when it's someone who committed serious harm to somebody. Agreed. Like Bill Cosby. 100%. Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein. And currently, Marilyn Manson. Yep, Manson. Uh, uh, and, and, and who's a, Spacey. I mean, like, even though he's not been convicted, look, I, I believe it. I hate to say it, but I do. I, be, I believe that the things that they were said were, were true, you know, but then, then you get into someone like Aziz Ansari and I always go back to him because I think he really got the short end of the staff. You know, I agree. he, he, he went on a date, you know, and the date didn't go well. And, and. We don't. We don't know what happened. I've I've heard enough stories, and I've heard enough different sides of the story that were right. they all seem to line up that it was basically a date. She kept going along with the case. She the date because she felt bad for like being like I, this isn't a good date. I don't want to date you. And then it got to a certain point, and then afterwards she went, "Well, that was a bad idea." And then you know what I mean, like. Look, Even Al Franken, person, what Al Franken yeah, did, I don't think no, was... No, 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 He took a picture. Of him touching someone's boobs while she no, was... No, he actually wasn't touching. His hands were over, but he never actually physically touched oh, her. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. 
is it is it great? Is it a great thing that he did? No, I'm not saying that. Oh, that's fantastic and go Al Franken. But like, it wasn't enough for him to have to step down from Congress or basically disappear from the. You know what I mean? Or yeah, they they made an example of him. I, sadly, but yeah, and I mean, and now now your state's doing some shit where they should be focusing on real stuff, and they're changing the names of high schools throughout the state from from like famous presidents that own slaves because they own slaves. Like all the George Washington high schools in California are being renamed. I I actually didn't even fucking hear about that. Yeah, and they're renaming the Abraham Lincoln schools. And then there's a and I can't remember the woman's name, but there was a woman who like I forget who it's not Fran Lebowitz because that's not it, but it's someone important that did a lot of positive things, but because she did one stupid thing, you know, 45 fucking years ago or whatever it was, they're taking her name off it, you know. It, Look, it, I mean... It, and that's in San Francisco. I wish I could remember the name because it's actually close to... That one's close to where you are. Some of these other ones are throughout the state. But, you know, like... I, 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 I don't agree. Know. Every, every situation of cancel culture is different. And something... I mean, you and I and Steph had, like, a whole debate about... Yeah. Fucking um, the statues. The fucking statues of yes. Confederates. Yes. And it, we were more specifically being like, it's not take down all statues. It's there should be no statues of the Confederacy. That's the problem. That's what we were arguing was like, it's not about changing history. It's not about hiding history. It's that the Confederates lost and they shouldn't have existed in the first place. And it's, it's a constant open stain on the country. And if you want to keep them up, if you want to have the statues... Put them in a museum. Have a designated fucking historical museum all about uh, the fucking Confederacy. Right, That's and fine. and that I that I actually agree with you on. My my issue when we were having that discussion was they were just taking them down and destroying them. And and you know, but like the one, but like Christopher Columbus was one they want to take down. Like all right, the Confederacy, I'm kind of with you. He still founded the country. He still found the land. Whether he, when he got here, he did some shitty stuff, which no argument. He still found the land. What may how, not be what he was how going did he for. Find it when there were people already here, that's the thing. Is he just got credit for something that someone already already fucking did? Okay, Look, but as an Italian, like every, I, I, yeah, everything that's discovered already existed before it was discovered. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, what, so it doesn't mean that he, did, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean that he did something wrong. I also think equally, equally, right? While you honor, you, not honor is not even the right word, but you acknowledge that he discovered, you know, for the European, that side of the world had no idea that the land existed. Regardless of whether there were motherfuckers there or not, they had no clue. So he, he just, wait, just hear me out. So he discovers that, you know, and then he equally... You honor the people that already lived here. And that doesn't happen, and I think that's wrong. Like, I 100% think that's wrong. So I'm not saying something like Christopher Columbus is this great, you know, person and fuck the Indians or the Native Americans. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know... I I think they should change the acknowledgement. They should acknowledge that he more or less pioneered the discovery that the world is is round and not flat because sure. he was able to make that trek and survive that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a bigger, as far as I'm concerned, that's a more uh, important accomplishment than just 
fucking up a bunch of Native Americans. And here's here's what pisses me off, is he thought he discovered India. He thought he traveled to fucking India. Well, right, because they didn't know this land existed. I'm not. I'm not exactly. saying that, and that's why he called them Indians because he thought he was in India. I mean, and we you know. still call them that. Well, I know. I, I mean, some people do. I, I, I very much try to go with Native Americans. We as a but, demographic, yeah. we as a society, cowboys and Indians. And yeah, even I, they fucking fuck it up even more. We call them Indians. I, I, I think a lot of that's you know that's the kind of cancel culture I'm okay with. You know. Get rid of that term. I'm fine with that because, term. You because know, that was a mistake. It shouldn't have existed. Exactly right. If it's if it was a mistake and it should have happened to begin with, then you cancel it. See, and that's why I disagree with you on the Confederacy. I'm not saying I agree with what they were thinking, but it did happen. There was there was a group of people that felt the way they felt about owning slaves and having all that. And I'm not saying that's okay that they felt that way, but that's their. So it when you said that's it should right as an American to be wrong. Correct. <laughs> right. You know, but when you say when you said it shouldn't have it shouldn't have existed. No, it, 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 it should have existed in that they had the right to have their own perspective. And and, and, if, and honestly, like, that's one of the other things that makes this country great is you have the right to say, fuck off. I'm out of here. Now, it just so happened that a incredibly large group of people that spread over, I believe, 13 states said, OK, fuck it. We're out of here. So that's a little bit that's a little bit different than saying like, okay, I you know, you saying, you know what, I've had enough of this shit, I'm moving to England or I'm moving to you know, Italy or wherever, you know. Huge huge fucking difference. And I get that. And obviously a whole bunch of people died unnecessarily. But, you know at the same time, I don't think it should I don't think it should have been it shouldn't be wiped from the face of the planet that existed. Now I agree with you in that you know, you don't need to have the statues out, you know, you know, center square in downtown, you know, Richmond or something like that. You know, like put in, put it there. Should, you know what? And and I know people would have a problem with this, but I think to your point about a museum, there should be a, a an exhibit or a wing or whatever at the Smithsonian. Are not calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's Partner Plan. In fact, people who diet together lose twenty percent more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to thirty grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant, portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash. During during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway, and maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com dot com slash thin. See website for details on our two month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over twenty one. Void where prohibited. Runs December twenty five through April fourth, twenty twenty two. For official rules, visit nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Nutrisystem Inc. National mu- National Museum about the Confederacy, and that's where you put this yeah. stuff. And you're like, look, yes, it was a terrible time, and they did terrible things, but it's still a part of our history. And because I'm very much of the uh, in general, of the opinion that those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Like, I very much believe that. You know what I mean? And and look, without getting into a whole political thing, and I think we've kind of been bordering that anyway, but, like, we came really fucking close to that with Hitler and Trump. We came very close to having Civil War Two and World War Three. And we I still think— Very I, close. I think Civil War Two is still very possible. 
I'm, I'm, I, you know, and that's my, and that's my point is because that ideology, whether it's Confederacy or uh, Nazism, which fucking now unfortunately has become hand in hand. Yeah, you know, which that boggles my fucking mind. Is your t- there's a whole group of Americans that are fucking taking the two ideologies that are the worst fucking ideologies that are the biggest losers of the planet. And they're saying, now we're going to fucking, you know, now we're going to prevail. What the, f- all right, look, weren't we talking about some motherfucker? I, I, from, I, like, I was just going to say, you know, who wasn't a Nazi or a Confederate John Hughes. Um, <laughs> Jesus. No, fuck. but How the no, hell but that happened? what happened? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, you bring up some valid points about some of the stuff in his films. Like, yeah, the the over the overuse of the word faggot is really uncomfortable. It is. And, I'm not going to lie. And I I feel like I've already we've already said it three times. I I feel bad and I apologize no, for it. I see, but that's the thing. Like, you know, that's another good example. There was a guy, and I wish I could get his name because I just heard about it on Friday, who lost his job. Using the N word in a context of explaining that it's wrong to say that word, but he said the word as opposed to saying something like the N word. Like he said the word, but it, the sentence right. was something to the effect of, because I didn't hear the exact sentence, was I'm not going to say the word, but I'm saying the sentence was, it is bad to say this word because, and said the word and moved on with his sentence. Dude lost his job. Like, that's that kind of context stuff, right? So my point to bring that up is we're using that word not to disparage anybody. We're using it to discuss a context in which it was bad to say that word. And 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 listen, yes, this may be the first time anyone hears. For some people, it may be the first time they've heard our show. But I implore you, if that's the case— Go back and listen to a bunch of other episodes where we constantly are pro-LGBTQ and very supportive of the community and, and don't disparage in any capacity, you know. Right. Um, so, I, you know, that that's I, all I, I can have, say. I have two points for that. Please. First off, that's not what John Hughes did. John Hughes was using the word. And, and I even have to acknowledge, like, Bill and Ted use that word yeah and i get it's an 80s thing and i acknowledge that the the time that the 80s were not exactly kind to the lg not at all uh, no yeah Uh, real quick i I don't mean to tread on you but i want to stress i'm not defending john hughes's use of it i'm defending our i'm defending our use of the word today not you know okay go ahead there's a movie with anthony hopkins called the human stain I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay. He is a professor, and he is delivering, like, uh, 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 he's, he's educating his class. And at one point, he says the word spook. Okay. Okay? Yep. He gets, he gets fired for using the racial slur. Now, he was talking about ghosts and spirits and specters in that context. See, and that's another example of where I start to get, yeah, go ahead. Here's the big kicker. He is his character is African American, but he came out looking white and was able to blend in in society as a white man. Hmm. So he finds it absolutely ironic and hysterical that he is being labeled a racist 
And I mean, that, that's the majority of the film. It's just right. him right. And, that, that. and that's that's what I'm saying. And then so going back to Hughes, like, yes, he the, it, like you said, it, it was a time. It was a term of. I I'm willing to bet I'm really willing to bet I think it comes up in Crocodile Dundee the first one I'm thinking it's used once or twice I mean it's oh. it's but in, to your point it's it's the time it's the 80s you know um, I think John Hughes was great at representing a generation I think he, it was a very specific generation it is it's very middle specific class, yeah it's middle class middle Americans and 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 that's fine. It's it's no, no I would I would even I would even argue upper class middle Americans. Well, he he represents both because yes, there's a lot of rich white kids in a lot of John Hughes films, but like there's also some kids that are you know True. on the other the, side of the tracks that the, do the, get represented. The girl in in Pretty in Pink whose name escapes me right now, Molly Ringwood's character is very much right. that. You're right, yeah, and and well, Ducky Bender. too, and who? Oh, Bender, Bender. yeah, Bender, yeah. Bender. I would even say potentially. Um, Anthony Michael Hall's character in that same film, he's probably closer to the 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 back end of that than actually Molly's probably the only rich one in that film, like really rich one in that film. In Sixteen Candles? No, in um Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah. Um, I would argue that Emilio's character probably has some money. I mean, maybe he shows up in a pretty broken, you know, pickup truck. Like, but that could just be some that's like true. that's you know, that's true. I mean, she um, she rolls up in a in a Benz, I believe. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what I found in my research is that she campaigned really hard to play Claire, the rich girl, because she was originally supposed to play the weird, awkward goth chick, because that's more yeah, that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> but that I mean, but it it seems like that would have been like I think they both did their roles respectively well. Um. But if you look at it, like, okay, that makes sense. Like, especially her character from Pretty in Pink is is more quirky than her character in Breakfast Club. Oh, sure. Sure. Also, I have to acknowledge that Ducky from Pretty in Pink, uh, the, biggest, the biggest fucking thing that John Hughes did was he, um, with his character of Ducky, played by John Cryer, he pretty much discovered and created the fucking type of outfit that every millennial in Berkeley will fucking wear. If you fucking take Ducky and you put him in Berkeley, you would not be able to tell the difference of him by any... I mean, all that he's missing, honestly, is a beard. That's well, the a, only fucking a, thing. 80s fashion is coming back around again, so I mean that that doesn't stun me, it, you know. Yeah, but that, that fashion, even for that movie, is really weird and out there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no. No, really? No, that's pretty on point. Actually, him, Annie Potts's character—they're both on point. The, the weird, the weird outlandish one in that film, fashion-wise, is Molly Ringwald. Which also, they begged her to not wear her hat like that, like on the back of her head, sort of like who Molly or Annie Potts? Molly. Okay. Molly. Yeah. And once she did, that's how every teenage girl fucking wore their hat. Yeah. Moving forward, Madonna did it. That's true, and I don't know. Um, I don't know who did. I don't know, you know, which came first—the chicken or the egg. But like, you know, but yeah, I mean, which came first, Madonna or Molly Ringwald? Is that well, what you're implying? Right. Well, in terms of not age, but like, did Molly wear her hat that way, and then Madonna did it because, or vice versa? Like, I don't 
You know what I'm saying? I don't know who wore the hat that way because they're both about it's about the same time. Yeah. You know, that was that uh, was it was 84, 85. You know, that's right at the height of Madonna's, you know, first go round. So I think it was Charlie Chaplin personally. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, um, you, you know, like, yeah, I mean, there, well, I also like I, Ange- I liked Andrew McCarthy in that film. We haven't talked about him at all yet. I liked him a lot. Uh, in sixty or uh, Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. Um, I I am of the opinion that Molly absolutely fucked up and should have chosen Ducky. I think. I think ultimately, well, yeah. I mean, and for a minute there, it looks like she's going to. You know, it does when they when they when she walks to that prom and he's you know. I didn't understand the attraction for Andrew McCarthy's character. He flat out fucking insults her numerous times. He's like, oh, maybe you should go home and change. She's like, I already did. So, he, uh, number one, he's just not doing well uh, complimenting her. I, well, right. I, I think that I, I think that's a com- combination of things. I think that's the upper class versus the middle to lower class and also awkward teenage. Do you know what I mean? Like, listen, despite what she was wearing, right? If, if, no, no, but hear me out. If I, if I was... It, it, back in that back then i don't i wouldn't don't think i would do it now but if i was picking up a girl i was interested in like if i was driving and i picked up a girl i was interested in from her job i would probably say hey do you want to go home and change first not because there's anything wrong with what she's wearing but because she's been at work and might not want to wear that outfit out to where we're going do you know what i'm if saying she's in a uniform for sure but if she's in a dress my my whole thing is i would say what do you want to do yeah i, I look but there's also that there's also the awkwardness of a first date. There's a lot going on there that like I I, I get your point, Rico, and I'm not saying that like I I know I know for the audience and maybe even for you, it sounds like we're arguing a lot on this one. I don't think we are. We're just looking at it from a different perspective. But I'm not, you know, we're loudly agreeing. <laughs> kind of, which we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think I think he I think in that instance he he it, it's. It's a combination of things, you know. Like I said, it's a first date. It's picking him up, picking her up at work. It's it's, you know, there's a there's a double. Um, I don't want to say double standard, but I guess that's the only way to put it. Of like, he has to deal with the fact that you know he knows he's in this class and sh- you know shouldn't. And I'm using air quotes for the audience. You know, shouldn't be dating her because she's from the other side or whatever. You know, and because he's got fucking Ultron whispering in his goddamn ear the whole fucking movie. Spader was a prick, dude. Has Spader never like not been a prick in a film? Like he's so no. good at he's being good that... at being a prick. Yeah, I hear he's pretty good on Blacklist. I don't. I've never watched the show, but I don't know if he's a prick there. So I th- I've seen the first season. He's fucking good, and he's got one of those voices that's just yeah. Instantly... I've said it many times. Like he's got that hypnotic creepy and calming fucking voice. But was he a prick? Because I've never seen it. Is he a prick in that show? He's a... Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. But, 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 <laughs> but he's a prick in the sense that, like, how Ultron speaks is a, is a prick. Like, Ultron's a villain and does awful things, but he sounds like a prick. Like, he's snarky and yeah. douchey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, like, my... my... I, the the first example of Ultron that comes up to me for that is when, when they're outside Wakanda or not outside Wakanda but outside this ship where um, uh, what's Af- it? Yeah, what's that? In South Africa. In South Africa, and he goes, um, 
I'm already there. You'll catch on. You know, yeah. the way he delivers that line is very like, yeah. I mean, there, there's another part. I mean, look, James Spader, what I will give to John Hughes is that he starts great careers. Yep. That's what I will give him credit for. Yep. Fucking Emilio, uh, Charlie Sheen as well, dude. Charlie Sheen was yep. in Ferris Bueller, yep. which I find absolutely hysterical because this is before Charlie was doing drugs and he was playing a drug act, but he like, he re- he prepared for the role by being up for 48 hours just to look all fucked up. Then he went full on method for the next fucking 30 years, but that's a whole other thing. You know, but, um, you also know that that was Jennifer Grey's suggestion. She's the one that... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Jennifer Grey, because she was... I think that's before Dirty Dancing, right? I'll have to look. I think it's after, but like right. Okay. Like right after. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like... But I'll I'll check. But I I think it is after. I mean, we we talked we touched on John Cusack and we touched on Joan. Like John Hughes is great at finding well, look, I, teenagers that will become something. Jo- John Cusack is 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 fine as an actress. Like I'm not, you know what I mean. But like she yeah. she she has a career because of John. I can think um, I can think yeah. of off the top of my head I can think of one movie Joan Cusack's in that John Cusack was not in off the top of my head. Oh, out of his family values. Okay, two. I'll give you two then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, what's the, what's the other one? School of Rock. She's the principal in School of Rock, and I don't think John Cusack's anywhere near that film. But that's true. But it also has a connection because it's Jack Black who was in High Fidelity. Sure. No, there's a connection, but there's still a connection. I would argue the same thing about Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven may have had a career later in life, but he definitely had a career in part because of the Cusacks. Oh, you know yeah. Sure, yeah, but but Joan more so. Well, Joan's more obvious, I think, than Piven. I'm not saying you're wrong, but Joan's definitely more obvious than Piven. I'll, I'll give you a quick little story. Uh, the janitor in Breakfast Club, who actually was like in a bunch of, I, I can't remember his name, but he was in a bunch of other Hughes films. You mean Carl? Is that his fucking name? Is Carl? It's the character's name. Oh, who the fuck is Carl? Um, um, he uh, apparently he was he was like telling uh, Emilio and Allie and everybody like, hey, guys, don't don't take these roles way too seriously. Like, don't overact. Don't put too much emotion in it. And he said, because you look, look, Martin Sheen had a heart attack from being in Apocalypse Now. He and Emilio was fucking furious. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. But he he didn't realize that Emilio Estevez was Martin Sheen's son because, I mean, that's kind of amazing. Look, it took me – I didn't realize that Emilio and Charlie Sheen were brothers. I knew No, Charlie it took me a long brother. time too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, only, the, only reason, the only reason why I knew it earlier than I should have, I think, is because it meant at work. Mm-hmm. Because it was – I remember when that movie came out. I didn't see it till I don't think I've ever seen it, actually, now I think about it. but. But I remember, I very distinctly remember the promotional for it, the promotion for it. And the promotional was the brothers finally work together. Like that was, right. you know what I mean? And I always took it as a joke when I was a kid. Now as I've gotten older and I can do the math, I know. But yeah. And and once you know that they're all related, you can't unsee it. Like they no. sound similar. They all look very similar. I mean, like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now looks like, Emilio Estevez. See, I've never seen and, Apocalypse Now, so I can't speak okay, to that. Well, it, but yeah, I mean, even though Charlie Sheen was in Platoon, 
And, like, you watch it, you're like, how in the fuck did they not, like, I mean, they must have said, okay, we're going to cast Charlie Sheen purely for the fact that, like, his dad made the go-to Vietnam film. But, so the point that the whole story was is after uh, the actor fucking, like, realized his mistake and apologized profusely and Emilio, like, you know, accepted his apology. Yeah, sure, sure. He still felt bad for years. And then he had a guest spot on the West Wing, and he told Martin Sheen the whole interaction. Yeah. And Martin Sheen thought it was fucking hysterical. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Because I hear he's got a pretty good that, sense of humor. It took that for him to fucking finally get over the fact that he, like, insulted the Sheens. Well, that's, I mean, that's, and it still cracks me up that Michael Sheen has nothing to do with them. In, in terms right. of they're not related at all. It's just a thing. But, yeah. Um Fucking uh, Charlie uh, was in the sequel to Machete with Danny oh, Trejo. Okay, yeah, I, I've never seen oh. it, but I know the I know the film. Yeah. Okay, so it's called Machete Kills, and he yeah. plays the president because of the large Latin and Hispanic cast. He he was credited for, for the first time under his real name, which is Carlos Irwin Estevez. Yeah, I knew his real name. Yeah, which is fucking hysterical. So, um, who the so, fuck is Carlos? Yeah, who the fuck is Carlos? Um, so, uh, Dirty Dance. So, there's gonna be a gray area here, Rico, because we talked about this before. A Dirt- gray area? Oh, I didn't do that on purpose, but yes. Um, Dirty Dancing is eighty-five. Uh huh. Ferris Bueller is eighty-six. Okay. So, it, I know the release dates put dirty first, but like. You know as well as I do, it could have been filmed reverse. I mean, you just don't. You know, that's what I. I didn't get into the details of like when films filming started sure. and all that stuff. So, and I'll acknowledge that John Hughes is a fast was a fast writer. Like he wrote, I think he wrote Breakfast Club in two days. I know it's seven for um or six for uh, Ferris. Okay, but that's my yeah. point. No, it's fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there I mean, are fucking writers that be- take. Oh yeah, but I mean, look, and then that's another that's another tie back to Kevin real quick because Kevin wrote the first draft of Clerks three, the first one that's not going to be the first first Clerks three that's not going to be made now. Mm-hmm. I think in three days, like the whole fucking thing, like the first pass. <coughs> now, obviously, it's not the finalized script, and I'm willing to bet that Hughes's weren't done either. Like that was just the okay, we've got the thing here, and then we'll tweak it as we go, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, these guys write fast sometimes. If you know, and that's what I'm, it goes back to the niche stuff too, because I think that has something to do with it. You know what I mean? Like when you're writing to, sure. when you're writing to a niche audience, it's easy to do it. Um, we were talking about improv stuff. You were mentioning that in 16 Candles, the whole circle jerk section was a bit of a no, breakfast club or breakfast club. Yeah. Um, was circle jerk, <laughs> <laughs> the circle of jerks. Yeah. Um, but the, what I found interesting, and I didn't notice till last night, the whole sequence with Ed Rooney and his secretary running back and forth in the office during the on the phone with Mr. Peterson is all improv. That's all 100% improv. Well, I've heard conflicting things. I've, I've heard specifically... Edie McClurg and the guy who plays Rooney both said it. So, uh, again, I'm... Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones, well, thank you. She, she specifically improvised the imitating the imitating of him on the phone, like, like grunting. That was all her on the spot. 
Um, and I think them like reacting. I think I yeah, think no, no, not that. Not was, okay. Let me rephrase because you're bringing up a valid point. Yes, the the her grunting and stuff, one hundred percent improvised, and the the running back and forth and getting in each other's way and like stumbling over each other, you know. And actually, I I think that him yelling grace and like waving at her was improvised. Right. But the the dialogue with Mister Peterson at any point was. Dialogue, so like it, that, but I meant that just the, the frantic running back and forth and get me your schedule and all that, like that was all, um, all improvised. And you know, I Rooney is an interesting fucking villain, very because, much so. Yeah, I mean, look, we're also acknowledging, or at least I am, that he's played by a, a, a creep. <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones, Jones has been accused of some some shit too. Oh no, he's a straight up. Uh, uh, he has to register as a sex offender. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he hasn't done it a lot. <laughs> um, we won't go into specifics of why. That's yeah, let's not. not let's not do that. Um, but it also does kind of like make it a little creepy because at no point in the history of ever has there ever been a assistant principal. Not even principal. He's the assistant principal. Is he? Yeah. Oh shit! I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever noticed that. I thought he was just Principal Rooney. No, he he's, but that goes even further. It's like this dude takes his job way too fucking seriously, where he's willing to vacate the premises of his job to break into somebody's house to prove that they're home, faking an illness. I would argue that he didn't go there with the intent of breaking in. I think that I think I would I would argue that part formulated when he heard the recording. That doesn't make it okay. I'm just saying I would argue that part. He only went with the intention of he thought he'd ring the doorbell. Ferris would pop the door open, looking perfectly fine, and be like, "Oh shit!" You know what I mean? And that that's my interpretation okay. of that. You but know. Here, here's what he should have done: you call the police, you get a truant officer. <laughs> Like, see, I'm, okay. I'm saying this because I've had this done to me because of my migraines and because I was fucking kept out of school so much. One fucking day, the door, like, I was, like, huddled up in a blanket, fucking sunglasses. I was nine years old, and dad fucking answered the phone, uh, answered the door, and there was the principal and a police officer, a truant officer, ready to arrest my dad because of me missing school. And he said, please come on in. And tell me this kid has to go to school as I'm holding like a bowl to throw up in. Right. And I'm like, so that was my, like, I'm looking at, I'm like, this would never fucking happen. The principal would just never fucking do this without the law on their side. Yeah, but how many times have we seen movies where like that would never happen? I mean, like, you know, that goes back to the constant argument I'm making of suspension of disbelief or, or at least twisting reality a little bit to, to make a fun story, you know? But ultimately, that that's what makes me look at Ferris as like, you're not a good dude. Like, he gets a lot of respect. He's a righteous dude. Like, people fucking love Which, by the way, that line was improvised as well. Just that part. That the, w- the whole other part about the dorks and the dweebos and all that stuff, that that's right. script. But the righteous dude, she added that, and John loved it. Nailed it in that fucking... Uh, Chicago accent. Chicago accent, yeah. yeah. My whole thing is that Ferris should not be revered as a fucking role model. You know, I know. Yes. I, I, 
I, I definitely don't. I mean, personally. But you know a lot I mean? of people do is what sure. I'm saying. I mean, like, sure. it's also weird to acknowledge that Matthew Broderick was also like the the example of what to be cool. <laughs> because every Matthew Broderick movie now, he's just kind of a wet noodle. Well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I listen, though, I I still love the film. I don't think he's a role model by any means. Actually, my favorite character of the of the, the three is probably Cameron. I do. Yeah, Cameron. My favorite line in all thing. I was actually, and I'll, I'll give her some love on this. I was talking to Jay the other day, um, helping her with some computer stuff, and we were just talking and stuff. And I told her we were going to be doing Hughes, and I, I didn't give her a lot of spoilers because, well, tough. She has to listen. Um, <laughs> but I, but I did tell her we were, you know, talking Hughes and whatever, and I said that I, I got to watch Ferris because I hadn't watched it again yet at that point in the con- when I was talking to her. And I said, my favorite line has to be the in the whole film. Like, there's, there's, first off, can we agree, getting off my story for a minute, that of all the Hughes films, that's probably the most quotable. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, because you know, and, and honestly, I think the most homaged too. The more I think about it, like that running, I think, home, I think I'd probably say Home Alone is probably more homaged. Okay, that that yeah, but he didn't direct, so I mean, I guess we could split hairs there. But sure, okay. Okay. Um, which I don't want to do. But when Cameron's laying in the bed, when Ferris is calling him up and saying, come over here, like, come get me, let's go do whatever, right? Right. <laughs> and he's like, there's two parts I love. The first one is here, and he goes, when Cameron was in Egypt land, let my Cameron go. That just cracks me up every <laughs> fucking time. And then yeah. the part when he finally decides to go and he's in his car and it's the POV through the windshield uh, and he's like, he's going to keep calling and he's going to just call and call and call. And then he's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go. And then, and then he, he gets out of the, that whole sequence just cracks yeah. me the fuck up. Like Alan Ruck deserves more praise. Alan Ruck deserves more of a career. I would argue, I mean, like, look, you know, I think Matthew Broderick's had a more, a better stage career than Alan Ruck did, you know, as a result of that film. Um, but Ruck's had his own success in my, I mean, like, he was on Spin City, that Michael J. Fox sitcom that he ended up being on with Charlie Sheen for a while, too, because Charlie Sheen takes over for, for Michael J. Fox when he uh, right. leaves with the Parkinson's. Um he was on that show from start to finish. Like he was, that's, you know, that's true. And that's a, that was a, I think a 10, I'd have to look, but I want to say it show ran for 10 years, at least eight, you know, and, and I, he's I, had a bunch of other successful roles. Ruck's, Ruck's done more than you think. He's one of those well, guys. I, I desperately want to see a movie where Alan Ruck and Edward Norton play fucking brothers. Oh, you could see that. I could see that for sure. Or, or, or like relatives of some capacity. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. Um, my some of my favorite lines that <coughs> Cameron does. I mean, you're right. The sequence where him losing his shit. Well, I love it when he fucking like starts and revs the engine and growls at the. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like hits the fucking like this the the headrest and the yep. seat next to yep. him. Yep. Um. And then when he, but then was, when he's also playing Sloane's father, Mr. Peterson. That that that's what I was gonna say. Is, yeah. You know, 
well, I should say you do. Like, that's yeah, like he, delivery. He kills so it. Good. Kills it. It's great. But I I love his his physical comedy as well, when he's doing yeah. that, you know, the snapping, and then he, he just sitting there going. Yeah, I, I wish I could do that. Honestly, I'm no joke. I wish I could do that. Um, I, this is how you do it. You just flick your cheek. It kind of hurts, but you flick your cheek up. Yeah. And then as it's doing, you'll. You like open your mouth from, but he does something with like, his tongue. Like you specifically see his tongue move when he does it on the on the. Yeah, yeah but for the sound effect, you just go. Um. There you go. Uh. No, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like a lot of them are TV series where he's had these one-off bits, like one-off. Right. You know. Uh, he's characters. a working actor, but he's not as successful as he should have been. He he is my opinion. He sh- he was the breakout star. Of Ferris Bueller. I, I would ag- I, I would agree. I, I think, you know, I think he... I'm looking right... So, Spin City was on for six years, so I wasn't completely right. But it certainly was right, not like... Five, a, so you get, you get that. Yeah, that's that's where I was trying to kind of go with it. But, I mean, like, he's got a great... He's got a great character in Twister. It's a secondary character, but that character is fan-fucking-tastic. He's also in Speed, if I remember he, Yeah, that. he's in Speed. I don't like that character as much, except he's got a great line in Speed, where... Like he says, uh, Keanu hands him the phone, hands the phone because he's talking to like his partner, and says, "Will you, will you um, relay for me? So say what I'm saying, essentially, right?" And he's like, "Fuck me!" When he sees the bomb under the bus, and Rowan Rock goes, "Oh darn!" Because he's not count comfortable <laughs> saying, I guess for whatever reason, saying "fuck me." So like it, it's right. just. But the delivery on and the look on his face, like that's the other thing, like you said about Alan Ruck, and he's a great physical comedian. Like right. he doesn't do necessarily do like pratfalls and stuff, which he, I'm sure he does too. But like he's it's, a visual comedian. Let me put it. Let me yeah, it's it. probably a better way to put it. He's more visual than in physical, but he 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 gets those facial expressions that are fucking, and that's what made him so great in Spin City too. Like you, you miss a lot right. of that in Spin City. Um, I love that show. I'm sorry, it was just really good. Like I, you want to do another binge? I reckon if you can find it. I recommend it. Like it's it's a good binge, um, but you know that that whole thing. Mia Mia Sarah, that's one that Mia I feel Sarah, like. Yeah, you know the the, uh, the forgotten Harley Quinn. I've seen her in. Oh, what does she voice her in something? No. So get this. She uh, remember there was a CW show way back in like the early two thousands called Birds of Prey. Okay. I don't it was remember. like no, the but... daughter. It was the daughter of Catwoman and Batman, and <clears throat> Mia Sarah. <laughs> Mia Sarah plays the. She plays Harley Quinn, but she doesn't look like Harley Quinn. Okay, see, I've only seen her in two things. I hate to say it, that I can think of anyway. We'll put it that way. Um, I've seen her in this, mm-hmm. and I've seen her in Time Cop, and that's it. I'm... With Jean Claude. Yep. Okay. The only and the only positive that is you see her butt ass naked, like flat out, full frontal. I'm gonna have to watch that because I had a massive crush on oh, Mia Sarah when I was a kid. You're, yes, you're, and you're not wrong. So, uh, yeah. Um, going back to Rooney for a second, there. The I also feel like the principal, who I also think is is either principal or the assistant principal, but the fucking, um. The dude from Breakfast Club, the fucking uh, dick. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who again? I, I I'm I'm crossing streams here, but like I talked about how Van Wilder might be a sequel to yeah. Ferris. Oh, you know, 
That dude just just switched schools. Is what is was. Yeah, what he just happened. he just stopped being a principal and went and been, went and became a professor at a college. You know, like or a dean. I think he was a. No, dean I don't think he's a dean. Right. I think he's you're just right. a, a professor. professor. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of find it absolutely hard to imagine that a faculty member would threaten to fucking beat the shit out of a of a of a teenager and then say what are you going to do you're nothing you're worthless privately like, I, privately i i 100 believe it could happen i do like I, I i depending on the school depending on the kid depending on the situation do i do i think the words would be said yes do i think it would actually turn into a physical altercation no but yeah i could see that happening maybe i'm just a little too naive in that's in that situation but i I will say that he acted the shit out of that performance to the point where even uh, Judd Nelson thought he was going to get hit. Like he was like the the worried expression on his face is genuine because he thought he was about to get punched. I, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you a very quick story that leans to that for a minute. So there's a lot more to this story, but I'll, I'm trying to give you the highlights. Basically, I almost organized an incredible, incredibly huge fight in high school. It would have been like literally a hundred motherfuckers. Like it was going to be huge. I vaguely remember you telling me. I think I've, I I might have told you this off air, I, and I might have even told it on air. But even if I have, I want to reiterate this, this part of the story because it goes to your point. Um, I got called into the dean's office about this before it happened, mm-hmm. or and it and it actually never happened for the just for the quick context. But I got pulled into the dean's office on the potential that it was going to happen. And I explained what's happening and why it was going to go down and all of a sudden the third. And the other party involved was already in there and actually got in trouble for what happened. Mm-hmm. And then he throws that person out and he says to me, he, he immediately starts laughing once the kid's gone. Door closes. It's just me and him in his office. He laughs his ass off and says, you know there's nothing I'd love more. No, no. How do you phrase it? He said, there's nothing more I'd like to see than that kid get his ass kicked. But you know I can't let it happen. And that's... Okay, so, so I, I see I see your point. Yeah. But that's also my acknowledgement is that I don't believe a principal or an, ed- an educator, someone in a school, would allow that to happen or do it himself. If... We may, they, there are plenty of awful students and there are plenty of awful faculty members. I've had an awful teacher. You've had an awful teacher. I'm We've sorry, all yeah. had an awful teacher. Yeah. But at no point, once the, the, uh, the lack of corporal punishment, you know, was kind of like the norm. Like you, like it's one thing of like a nun being the, you know, being the snot out of a fucking kid with a ruler. But, you know, that actually that. used to happen. <laughs> That's no, not, I know. Yeah. I know that happened. My my whole thing is fuck nuns. Well, you know? okay, excluding being your a, aunt. I was gonna say thank you. Being that I have an aunt who's a nun, I'm gonna I'm gonna let her. Does she beat the shit out of people with a fucking ruler? Did she hit me with a ruler? She might have actually. <laughs> I think it was me. That's not okay. That's well, not that's not okay. Listen, I got and I got I, I got hit with a wooden spoon as a kid because it was okay to do that shit when I was coming up. You know what I mean? But like that's that's a your different. Mother? Yes. Okay, that's different. I'm saying. I'm not condoning when a parent beats the fuck out of their kid. I didn't get the fuck. No, I want to stress. I didn't get the fuck beat out of me. I got smacked on the ass. Huge difference. Yeah. Okay. My point is that if (laughs) there should never be, and, and I stress this, 
ever any fucking physical abuse from an educator to a child or a teenager. No, that's I, my I, whole thing. And I agree. And and to that point, just just for the purpose of the conversation, there wasn't any. He said a bunch but of stuff. No, 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 no. He did. He said some shit, which did a, which I would argue did more harm because Bender's character is being beaten all the time. He's being cigarette burned or cigar burned by his sure, father. He's sure. being smacked all the time. But the only time we ever see any humanity and emotion is when someone says something that really hits him. Yeah. He, he I predict if they ever made a fucking follow up to the breakfast club, uh, Judd Nelson's character was going to kill himself. Fuck Anthony Michael Hall. Judd Nelson would have shot himself I, by the by another thirty years. I heard a theory about making a sequel to that film, right? No, no, no one's like actually. It is not something that's like in production or planning. It was more of just hey, you know, a what if, what if, right? Where all five of them end up as teachers or, or administrators in some role in that same school. At Shermer High. At Shermer High, yeah, and 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 including Bender, like he he's not like the janitor, like he ends, and and Bender, if I recall, in the in this what if scenario or whatever, actually ends up being Rooney, or or not, not Rooney, Rooney, but um, whatever, yeah, the principal, the principal, right? You know, he ends and up Barry being, Manilow, yeah, Barry Manilow, he ends up being that guy. You know what I mean, like, and not not the same character, not in the I'm I'm aggressive and hot, but but just getting that title, like being that mm-hmm. that role at the school he takes over the position. Yeah, yeah, and 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 doing a a sequel from that perspective, and and the other thing, I think he ends up marrying Molly in this story. I heard like they do end up actually married together. Like they're the only ones that end up together as a couple. But I I just find it very plausible that he was you know because he's been damaged so much in his life that either he will absolutely prevail with his fist up in the air you know active defiance fuck the man i'm gonna do i'm gonna live my life and no one's gonna bring me down i'm gonna do my shit and maybe he'll grow up the other possibility is that that doesn't always happen and right there's i i am under the impression just like there is speculation that ducky in pretty pink maybe which is gay that's that's a severe possibility that maybe he was just, you know, in deep in the closet and not ready to acknowledge it. And that's why he was so attached to Molly Ringwald. But there's see, I don't know. I, I, I think it's I think it was a probability that Bender would end up uh, the 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 sta- thing or in snapping the, and shooting up the school. That's the, thing, the other possibility. Well, yeah, the thing in the what if in the version that I heard was that his relationship with Molly and them and, and the other four becoming friends, you know, even if, if in secret for lack of a better description gave him like brought him, he didn't make, he didn't become like a model, a student or, you know what I mean? Like that, but he, he became less bender and a little more, you know, whatever. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, basically. Well, anyway, I, listen, I, Is there much more we can say about? I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of things we can talk about that we probably didn't touch on, like like the the fucked up sister on you know painkillers or whatever because she got her period at, at her wedding day, or you know. Um, I mean that that is the least of the fucked up things that happened in Sixteen Candles, but I, I see your point. Yeah, like um, I I was I thought it was 
I don't know if I looked too far into it, but I thought that the family that she's marrying into is like Italians, even though they're not supposed to be. And it was more of like having the fucking Godfather music playing in the background at the restaurant. I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, the the one movie I feel like we didn't touch on enough was Weird Science. And I think we'll have to maybe come back to that or something. Well, and, no. You know. Let's let's talk weird science. That's a good way of kind of like ending this okay. fucking because weird science to me, like I was really looking forward to it because I had heard all about it and I knew it was one of Downey's earlier films. And damn, dude, Downey Jr. had some fucking bridge work done on his teeth. Oh no, shit! Yeah, he's I also had no he... fucking clue. He had a gap, like like. Oh yeah, like Ty... Alfred E. New fucking Newman. I I guess. I mean, listen, I'm I'm being cheeky, of course, here, but you could even technically say it's not Downey Jr. because in the credits, he's just Robert Downey. He's not... Which is weird, yeah. Yeah, he's not Robert Downey Jr. He's just Robert Downey. So, right. Not know. to be confused with Robert Downey Sr., who was once known as just Robert Downey. Right, right, you know. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I, I just, you know. But, you know, first off, let I, me, tell, let me yeah. tell you something real quick about my exposure to weird science. I saw Weird Science, a TV show, long before I saw Weird Science, the movie. I didn't know they made a TV show. What the, the fuck's a TV show like? It's 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 Wyatt and, and Gary and their adventures with Lisa on and on pay, beyond the movie. Like, Lisa doesn't fuck off and go away. Like, they continue to coexist together. Okay. Um... And yeah, it was it was a real thing. Same same cast members? No, no, none of them. None of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's all uh I'm trying to find it for you now because the some of the actors you'll know. Some of them you probably have no idea. Especially the guy who plays Chet, because it's not um what the fuck? Bill Paxton. It's 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 I have got to say Bill Paxton gave probably the funniest joke in that movie where he's like yelling at his little brother for wearing like women's underwear. Yeah. And then he said, come on, man, cover yourself. And like takes off his towel to reveal his naked ass. Be like, cover yourself up. Have you no respect? Yeah. That was funny as fuck when I, when I saw that. So the series came out in 94, just to give you a, a context. Almost like what? Like a eight year later. Nine, nine, nine years. Almost yeah, a decade. They, they were desperate for some TV, weren't they? Um, and actually, it says here that they they make her on their computer and can grant wish. So so she she does a lot more wish granting in this than just like trying to help the boy, like help them accomplish something. You know. I love how the actress who plays Lisa the originally yeah. referred to this film. She's like, this is just Mary Poppins with tits. Yeah. See, now the only names on here. So uh, th- very quickly, uh, and I'm not going to go through every actor in here because there's no point but um vanessa angel is the one who played lisa you might recognize her if you saw her she's been in some i know the name but i can't think of her face um michael manasseri was wyatt and john asher was gary i don't know those names they don't mean shit to me but okay and then uh lee turgen turgeson i think is how you say his name you know this guy if you saw him you know him he played chat okay did you ever see so far, uh, what? So far, you're just naming names, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm uh, nah. Lee Turgesy is like, I know you know this guy. I know you know him because he's been in stuff. He was in Oz. He's in. Uh, he's in Wayne's World. He's one of the 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 crew members for Wayne's World. He's 
Oh, okay. Um, okay. he's in. I'm trying to see some other stuff off the top of my head here, but anyway, um, uh, da, 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 going back, I got to go back to like the early 2000s. He was in Oz. If you watched Oz, I saw the first up to like the first season of Oz, and then I he, saw a lot. He's of Tobias. Tobias. He was the one that was. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. The fucking like. Okay, I know exactly who you're talking. He's about. a guy fucking Christopher Milani, basically. Cause they, yeah, they get, he's the one who gets fucking inked by J.K. Simmons with a fucking swastika on his ass. I remember that. Oh, does he? Okay, well there you go. I didn't. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah, but that's 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 probably the biggest name in the in the show. Um. That's that's uh okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm not saying. Oh, and he's Rosie on from Point Break. I forgot he's in Point Break. That's right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So same yeah. thing with like. But, I just oh, was kind I was... of like, uh, <laughs> for Weird Science, man, the the movie, not this fucking show shit. Um, I just was more uh, astounded of the, like, it, yes, the messages that they need to fucking accept what they are and learn to love themselves. And then they'll have the confidence of finding real girls. Um, I also just don't understand how the fuck that they created... First, I, first off, I don't understand how they created her. That none of that shit made any bit of goddamn sense. Well, there was um, a little bit of magic involved. There was a little bit of uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of magic after she, after she comes around. You know, no, 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 like, no. The, the 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 cloud with the lightning striking that that to me is an all spectral, mystical, okay, yeah, magical I, thing. I also that reminded me of like the early child's play movies because they did the same goddamn thing. All it's the, the same thing in Ghostbusters. Man. That's the same cloud from Ghostbusters, which by the way, speaking of the same thing, the house in 16 candles where the party happens, where the, the, the one girl gets her hair cut cause it's stuck in the door and that whole thing, like the main party in 16 candles right. is the same house that Gar- that Gary lives in. If you look, it's this, I mean, physically speaking, I don't think they're related. Right. I'm just saying from a shooting. Yeah. Well, I know one of them is like I I don't remember which movie, but like one of them is like the Murtaugh House from like Lethal Weapon. Yes, we talked about that. I forget what it was, but we we talked about that. It may have been, it may have been Ferris Bueller. I don't know. Um, but I don't I I, I, don't, I don't remember my fucking point. I Sorry. Just, no, no, no. You're fine. I just felt like weird science was just too weird and not enough science, and I just didn't understand the point of these characters to create a girlfriend and then never fucking do anything with her. Like that's exactly the point. It's it's it, it was it was it was going to be very different when it was going to be on did they didn't expect her actually come to they actually didn't expect something to come to life. I think they were just expecting to have a digital program they could um like like why it said or why it yeah says no Gary Gary says, sorry, Wyatt's the one that lives in the house, by the way. I got my people backwards. My fault. But he says to Gary, what Gary says, like, we can, we can, we can ask it questions, you know, we can put it in weird sexual situations and see how it reacts. Like, that was the overall goal. And then when it became real, for lack of a better phrase, you know, when, when Lisa actually shows up, you know, then, then it changes everything. But I don't know. I just, it just, I guess the movie just sort of rubbed me the wrong way where I was sort of staring at the screen just kind of like, huh, I don't get it. I, it's, it's just not for me. And, and I I was more, 
I don't know. I, I just had a, it just, it just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth and I don't really have anything specific apart from, I don't know why it's it's shame to put a bad taste in your mouth, not because it's my favorite or anything, but just because I don't understand. I don't, I don't like some of the other ones I get, I get why 16 candles puts a bad taste in your mouth. Right. I, 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 I I, I follow the logic. A lot of it comes from Anthony Michael Hall's performance. I just kind of, he was such an unlikable character and, See, I, she's Where, actually my favorite character in the film. So I, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's fine. I'm not poo-pooing your your your. Yeah, you are. Your, no, I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing your taste. I'm poo-pooing the character itself. I, I would say Bill. Pa- I would say Chet's less likable than Chet is less likable for sure. But he, I, I found him actually funny in a really awful way, like you would find Bender funny in a really fucking awful way. There were moments he had, like when he open when he opens up the closet the morning after the party, and his grandparents are catatonic in the closet, and he's like, "Hi, gra- hi, nanny, hi, pop up," and then he realizes that his grandparents are, you know, in the closet, and that whole thing. I um, did not expect to see Bill Paxton in this, in, in working in, in a John Hughes film. I, I just didn't see it coming. Yeah, and I and listen, the, he, if I've read correctly, he's actually really proud of his performance like he, he he knows he's a shithead he's supposed to be a shithead and you know did a great well, job all, of being one and unfortunately you know. bill paxton also passed away like yes a couple years ago so yeah i know we, we've talked about that i think we acknowledged yeah. it um when it happened right. uh so uh but yeah he you know the the characters i liked i liked i think the reason i like the film so much is not just because of like something like anthony michael hall's character or and it has nothing to do with kelly lebrock like i mean yes yeah, she's attractive but that's not why you know it's 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 i you know much like i've been ducky i've probably also been gary and wyatt at some point in my life you know sure um very much like the awkward kid who doesn't know how to talk to the girls and and sure. is made fun of now i don't know if i'm made fun of per se because i'm a i'm a dork person well i guess i was yeah so i was gonna say no but yeah i was um but also like you know i wasn't the popular kid that's for sure see these experiences i had were all in middle school though they weren't high school per se you know like i was never the popular kid in high school but i i was pretty much left alone in high school too you know what i mean so um you know this this is probably more like eighth grade for me maybe freshman year at worst you know but Mm -hmm. You know, but I still I, I went through those times. I, I know I know what it's like to be those two. Um, you talk about the things that are, you know, uncomfortable and weird about the Hughes films in general, like the words, you know, I'm not going to say it again, but the words mm-hmm. that were used and right. and and the Asian character in 16 Candles and things like that. Right. How about the fact mm-hmm. that Lisa as a 23 year old and, you know, she's 23 because at one point they say her age has zero problems trying to fuck a 15 year old boy. Two of them, no less. No, she only ever tries to fuck Wyatt. Which implied that they did. Because, like, uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, it, it's very much implied that they, they actually did have. Well, no, because, no, it's implied, but then she goes, How do you think I feel? Two minutes into my gymnastics routine, you passed out. So that, that flips the coin on it and says that they didn't actually do it. I, I think, uh, first off, I, I think. How do I phrase this? She gets a pass because she's not real. You know what I'm saying? Like she's a Barbie doll come to life. So she's not like she and also she's metaphysical, like in the sense that she's super magic. It would be like like yes, it's wrong, 
but it'd be kind of like fucking Genie from I Dream of Genie. Yeah, I guess. And that's kind of what it was, um, to a degree. Or it was you know. like fucking Mary Poppins. I mean, yeah. it, it, um, and look, I would have bagged the hell out of Mary Poppins when I was a kid. Like <laughs> the, other, the other two things, very quickly. I would have showed her my Harry Floppins. <laughs> the, the, the other two things, uh, or three things that I'll bring up, but one is very short, sweet, and to the point. It, um, but from Weird Science specifically, I, I think the overall point was... Gary and Wyatt coming of age, and not, not, I don't mean sexually, I mean just it with themselves. Like, sure. by the end of the film, you know, with the whole sequence with the gang members and the, and the, you know, Wyatt, which was weird, but like she needed to put a, a challenge in front of him, and it was extreme and kind of stupid, but I mean, I get it. My, my favorite part from that, though, is like when the, when it's all over, and the one guy who, who, I think he's from the Hills Have Eyes, like he's, he's a pretty, Michael Berryman, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right, Michael Berryman. Um, he, I was gonna say he's pretty famous in terms of being in weird shit, right? You know, um, his line on the way out is, "Could could we keep this to ourselves? I'd hate to lose my teaching job." You know, like yeah. I I think that's I thought I thought that was funny. That's hysterical, you know. But it's them coming of age with the girls and 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 having confidence in themselves to be able to have girlfriends. You know, um, that that's that's the overall point of weird science and yeah it's a little it's a weird way to get there pun intended but i mean like it it you know i i think i think this goes back to the suspension of disbelief rico you have to kind of just you know let go of some of you some have, stuff yeah you have yeah. to just kind of lose your brain sort of in, in for the for the sake but like even the part where like she more or less summons the fucking uh antagonist of the mad max franchise to fucking break, you know, to fuck up a house yeah, yeah. party. I I was super confused. I didn't know if they just showed up or if she fucking summoned them. No, every everything that happens to those two, except what Downey and his counterpart do, are all a direct result of Lisa. All of it. You know, I I got a lot of comparison to her acting and motive and and everything to uh, the remake of Bedazzled. With Elizabeth Hurley, I can see that they they sound. I mean, obviously they're both British and both beautiful, but like it was the same type of like. I can oh, I'll it. grant you a wish, but I'm going to fuck you over at the same time. Well, and, and that, you'll learn yeah. something. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that goes back to like a lot of these films are just you know, you know, Hughes isn't unique in that. Like maybe maybe he coined a genre to a degree or developed a genre to a degree, sure. but a lot of these things are still retreads of other stuff not necessarily saying okay i'm gonna remake this film it's a unique and original idea but the concept is still takes place somewhere i mean it you know you're it, there's nothing wholly unique about any of these teens with a teen story you can't there always is some degree of okay the kid's gonna learn and be better and that's what it you know what i mean so anyway listen except ferris ferris gets away with the whole fucking thing Ferris learned nothing. Yeah, I would Cameron, but that one. That's why again, why I say it's more about Cameron because Cameron does, you know. Right. It should so. have been, you know, the movie should have been remade and just called Cameron's fucking therapy session. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Also, um, not to mention how let's 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 acknowledge the fact that Cameron's dad probably fucking kills him. <laughs> or or there's that come to Jesus moment where he realizes how shitty he treats his son. Or Cameron snaps and kills his dad, oh, and then just him. hides out, and then and then like he's trying to fucking like evade like you know the cops, and then he gets fucking picked up, and he gets on a bus, and the bus has a fucking bomb under it, and then he 
I'll say I'll say this very quickly, just a quick piece of trivia about that film, and then I think we're gonna call it a night. But like that car that's there, the the I think it's nineteen sixty seven uh, Ferrari. GT California, 250 GT California. I might have the year wrong, but I've got the rest of it right. I know that for a fact. Um, all the the car is a kit car. So for those not familiar with a kit car, is very quickly you take a chassis for something else, like a Mustang or something, and then you put the body of a, a fiberglass version of the body of whatever fancy car on it. Um, it's a kit car because that car is so rare, the actual car that the the insurance just to have it sitting in that drive in the in the garage just to film the car with nobody around it, just the car sitting there by itself would have blown the entire budget of the film. Yeah, that's that's, that's insane. Which, by the way, speaking of budgets, you know, we talk about the house in Home Alone and what did the guy fuck does the father do? And you could say the same thing about the parents in Weird Science. I don't care. I want Cameron's house. That shit is awesome. I would buy that. I would take that house over all of them. So. Just, just fucking move into a museum, and you can hang out the fucking Confederate statues. Which, speaking of which, <laughs> as American, fuck off, I'm out. CJ here with a few thank yous to let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. Listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your podcast. Please don't forget to rate and comment. If you want to agree with or yell at us, you can do it live. That's right, Rico and I put ourselves on a weekly live stream called Getting Vocal with Potaskew every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific at getvocal.com slash That's www.getvokl.com slash where we discuss various topics from past and present shows and even sometimes play games. If you can't or don't want to join us live, you can follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at Rance Rico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. We want to thank logo designer and show friend Mike for his work on our wonderful logo. You can contact him for artwork via email at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike 80 at gmail.com. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for all original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel dash Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. 
If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service. Without all the drama.